oatmeal squares and uh, oh, great oatmeal, oatmeal squares aren't trash. No, they're not trash at all. I like oatmeal squares a lot, actually. You know what is trash? I uh, I had Domino's for dinner at like eleven thirty at night, and I'm dying today. And I kick it to all the people who can quest like a tribe does. Before this, did you really know what I was? Comprehend to the track force. Why? Cause getting mentions on the tip of the vibe buzz. Rock and roll to the beat of the funk fuzz. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our new intro music. We are recording on Friday, February 17th. I'm your co-host, Jared Mintz, and joining me today and every other day that we record this breakthrough, groundbreaking any other combo word that starts with break or ends with break podcast. It's Joseph Nardone. Joe, how you doing today, man? I am living the dream. No complaints. Um, our podcast is the best podcast. You could ask anybody about our podcast. You know what they tell you, Jared? What would they tell me? That it's the best podcast. Would they? I feel like I've asked a few people since you started saying this, and uh, they, they don't say that to me. What do they say? I don't know. They just don't say it's the best podcast. They say it's good. They say it's good. You should find a new partner. That's what? what they say to me. No, they yeah. don't, do they? Oh, word on the street, man. Word on the street. Step wow. Game wow. Jared's friends. What a bunch of jerks you guys are. I'm just kidding, man. And how do you know it's my friends? Maybe it's just listeners. Maybe I get out there and I interact with the fans. Maybe I do uh, market research. I don't know. Um. Okay. I do want to say thank you. Our listenership has doubled, and we've consistently held in like the last four weeks or whatever it's been. So uh, thank you. Whoever the hell's listening to us. Good things, yeah. We we appreciate it. We have no oh, idea who you are. Like we like our AMAs are getting easier and everything's can be going really smoothly. I feel like the other shoe's gonna drop at some point, but uh this is pretty awesome. There's Joe, always optimistic, always positive, good things. We thank you guys for listening, and of course if you ever want to leave us a review in iTunes have at it. You could say nice things. You could say whatever you'd like. Just leave yeah, we apologize for the iTunes mix-up, too. Apparently, we weren't populating there for some people, and others we were, but that issue's been rectified. And, uh, yeah, now you can find us, in, like, everywhere, all over fully, the interwebs. Fully functioning podcast. We are we are on iTunes. Are we are we on Stitcher? Is that a thing? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what we're on. I know we're on iTunes, Audio Boom, FanRack Sports, probably all over. You know, just Google us. Wow. Big things. We're Googleable, guys. We are Googleable. All right, so we got a lot to get <laughs> to today. Googleable. What a great I word. I mean, that, that, that's definitely got to be. Uh, so we got, we got a lot to get to today as the NBA season's first half has wrapped up, even though I think it's like 55 games into the season. I don't know why, why sports do this, why they make the All-Star break like not anywhere near the halfway point, but we're heading into the All-Star break. We got a lot of fun stuff going on with the NBA this weekend, so... We figured that would be a good time to kind of review the first half of the season. We'll preview the All-Star game a little bit. And as Joe mentioned, we got a bunch of AMAs to get to. So let's stop wasting time, Joe, and let's get right into it. Let's start previewing the NBA season, or not previewing, excuse me, but reviewing the NBA season and some of the things we liked and didn't like. So I think the best way to start that, Joe, is by asking you, what or who has been the most pleasant surprise for you so far in this NBA season? Well, I have a lot of crow to eat on this edition of the podcast. Uh, so it's going yeah. to be uh, the Wizards, uh, everything Washington uh, Wizards related. So the entire team is going to be my most pleasant surprise. Um, they lead their, uh, their division, uh, but I believe by two games over Atlanta. Is that accurate? Um, Sounds about right. And they are they are legitimately good, and I could see them, depending on what happens to Kevin Love, um, fighting their way to the. It's going to depend on seating and stuff like that, obviously, because if they don't run into Cleveland earlier, but they can make the Eastern Conference Finals this year, and that's pretty insane. Yeah, I mean they got off to a pretty slow start, and you were bashing Bradley Beal. Deservedly like, so at the time. It's not like I, I was just randomly bashing him. No, Joe, you got it wrong, and now even though you bashed a twenty-three-year-old, you can never come around on it. You said he's going to be terrible forever. That's not how this works. I never seen him be terrible forever either. I know. I'm kidding with you. I'm kidding. I with just you. Have, I have to, you know what my, one of my pet peeves are with NBA when you talk about it. So like, I'll never like. The big joke with me is, like, I was really down on Malachi Richardson and stuff like that. And then he got hurt, and he's out four to six weeks. And people are like, oh, you Malachi, like, to me. And it's like, I don't wish him to be bad. I don't wish, like, anybody that I, like, I'll say, like, oh, he's not, like, as good as some people think, or this is what his issues are. Like, these are all really young players. Like, Beal's 23. 
they're allowed to get better, and I'm also allowed to change my mind as they get better. I don't disagree. I'm not I, married to an opinion I had three years ago when I said uh, when Bradley Beal was coming out of Florida or whatever, four years ago and said, yeah, his jumper is not as good as you guys think it is. Now yeah. it is, but it took four years. Right. I, I was obviously kidding with you because Sorry. that's how I'm that's how Twitter that's how Twitter works. You say one thing. Like I I, I was getting killed a few weeks ago when uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo was like Good getting all you. the national coverage in the world. And I tweeted before last season, so before like the 2015-16 season had started, that I thought Giannis was one of the more overrated players in the NBA. And people are digging that up and throwing it in my face today. It's like, I mean, I made the comment in real time, and at the time. He hadn't done anything yet, and he's blown up since. So I guess what I said holds zero relevance or had no value at the time. I mean, that, that's just how it's just how it works. Yeah, context is not allowed, apparently. Right. It's not. Well, anyway, you did kill the Wizards, and you did kill Bradley Beal. I did. Deservedly so at the time, and they, they responded well, Joe. They must listen to the podcast, or maybe they did at the time, and they stopped because of all of our bashing. But John Wall and Bradley Beal have gotten over any kind of, you know, off-court controversy as to whether they like playing together, whether they like each other actually as people off the court. Uh, they, they seem to be getting along really well and sharing the ball, and both are having, you know, really great years and bounce-back years even because, you know, we spoke about it a little bit a couple weeks ago. The Wizards were one of the most disappointing teams in the NBA last season. We were kind of looking for them to be in that Boston-Toronto range where they'd be competing for who's next after LeBron's team. And last year, I mean, they didn't even make the playoffs. They hired Scott Brooks in the offseason, and here they are, one of the top teams in the East, and they're one of the hottest teams in the league in this calendar year. I mean, they've just been they've been on fire. I, I feel like they've won like 13 of 14 or something like that. They just, they're, they're playing really good basketball, so I, I think that's a good call. For me, I'm actually I'm going to go to the Western Conference for my most pleasantly surprising team this year, and that that's got to be the Houston Rockets. Who, again, you know, 2014-15, they get to the Western Conference Finals last year. I, I believe they were they were either the seventh or the eighth seed in the playoffs. It was a disappointing season for them. They had all that mess with with Dwight Howard and James Harden not getting along. A lot of questions about James Harden's leadership and how good of a player he actually was. Which again. You know, it was just a year after he finished second in the MVP voting for the season. They fired Kevin McHale early last season, and uh, J.D. Bickerstaff really did not fill in well. They hired Mike D'Antoni, which was a controversial hire because everybody thought Mike D'Antoni was trash because he couldn't coach Carmelo and he couldn't coach Kobe Bryant. And listen, if there's one thing, you know, everybody kind of knows about Mike D'Antoni, it's that he's not the most confrontational coach. He doesn't like conflict. You know, he doesn't go seeking out his stars and reaming them out as much as he's really a player's coach and a guy that people like to play for. And we're really seeing that in Houston. They, they've been one of the best teams in the league, one of the top offenses. James Harden's been incredible. He's leading the league in assists, which, you know, everybody called James Harden one of the most selfish ball-dominant players in the league last year, or even the last two years. And this year he's been anything but that. So for me, it's got to be the Rockets. I think that's good. Um, I did. I was. I don't remember being, and I could be misremembering and trying to cover it up, but I don't remember being as down on the uh, D'Antoni hire as other people. Um, but they are playing at a super high level, and the James Harden deal here is pretty ridiculous. So, like, I don't think even if you were like kind of excited about D'Antoni being there and thinking like you know he has good um, a good history with point guards, that you could see what what has happened so far happen. We're projected to happen or whatever. Right, and I mean, maybe it's different for me because I live in New York, and obviously I'm surrounded by Knicks fans, and, you know, the D'Antoni-Knicks era didn't really go well, but I think a lot of people just kind of forgot D'Antoni's strengths and the things he does well, and didn't really just take into account, you know, kind of him not having the right pieces to fit. And listen, that that's a fine knock on a coach, that a coach puts a system over players. It's fine to, you know, not think that that's great. But I, I just I think the last two situations for him were kind of really unfair spots. And, you know, granted, no one no one made him take those jobs and, you know, him not succeeding ultimately falls on him. But I, I think the Rockets have been one of the better stories in the league this year. Let, let's turn the tables, Joe. What or who are you the most disappointed with through this point of the season? Um, mine's a who and it's Danny Ainge. Listen, I don't care if they don't want to use their assets, but the Terry Rozier remark of him being untouchable is ridiculous. So, like, if you don't move any of your assets, right, you're going to have a point guard for your first pick of the draft. So how's Rozier not a 
touchable asset. I don't understand it. Um, my belief is, and I, I, I know it's not a popular opinion, he's kind of overrated as a general manager. Um, he kind of lucked out with all the things that really went well there. Prior to the getting gifted uh, Kevin Garnett, he was really struggling with the rebuild with the Celtics, and then when those guys left, and it was just Rondo, he was struggling again. And then if pe- people aren't going to remember this, but when Brad Stevens came on board that first year when they won all those games and it became a great story, they wanted to lose. That was the game plan. And then Brad Stevens coached those dudes up. And, like, their foundation of guys that are there now, a lot of them weren't there to be, weren't brought in to be, like, the long-term solutions. Like, Isaiah Thomas wasn't meant to be, like, their superstar. Um, but, yeah, the Rogier bit is really, it's disappointing because, like, I, it's, it, it's just this whole thing. Now they feel like they have to fleece everybody to make a trade. Like, they need to win the trade. And um, I have no, I don't think he's a bad basketball player or anything like that, or you can't, you shouldn't value him. But if you're not going to trade anybody, and this is a point guard heavy draft coming up, how many point guards do you plan on playing with next season? It just doesn't make any sense to not be open with it. And I know, like, it's just, he's just trying to drive up the value of his picks or his Orozier or whatever, but it's just stupid. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now, I, I don't know what's been offered to him that's needed Terry Rozier in return. But it's funny how he's kind of become, you know, this controversial aspect to whether or not the Celtics are going to make moves. It's also still the Celtics and Ainge who just leaks everything. So maybe there was never an offer and maybe Ainge is leaking all this stuff to to prop up Rozier's value. I, I never know with them, but I don't think that's a bad call. In the same token, I mean, the Celtics have been really good. I mean, they're, they're currently sitting at the two seed in the East, which I wasn't expecting them to be that good. I thought their ceiling was the three. I know you'll say, well, what's the difference between two and three? But, you know, they, they really, they're, they're 17 games over 500. They're three games behind Cleveland. And they, they've done it with Al Horford having almost a, I don't want to say surprisingly not great season, but I don't think he's been as good a value as he was, you know, for Atlanta. He's been hurt for a chunk of it. Isaiah Thomas has just really emerged. And he's one of those guys, you know, I think that you have to talk about when you say what's been the most pleasant surprise for you this season. He... I mean, he's playing his way. I know, you know, the defense isn't there for him at all, and it's hard for a lot of people to give credit to guys who are really only one-way players, but the impact he has on the Celtics and the way he kind of wills them to wins kind of keeps him in the MVP conversation for me. Granted, not near the top of it, but, I mean, I, I think he's sort of a candidate, and he's been one of the better players in the league this year, especially offensively. So, yeah, I mean, Boston's been really good, but I think that's a fair point. They, they just they have all these pieces. I don't know what they're waiting for. Now is not their time to win, I don't think. You know, as you mentioned, this team wasn't really assembled to, to make these runs and to, to challenge LeBron's teams. It's, it's been more about the future for them. But here they are kind of, you know, in between being really good and in between waiting for the future to be good. So they're definitely a team to keep an eye on moving and I'm, forward. And to be clear, I'm fine with them standing pat and being like, I want they want to keep their draft picks. I would do that as well. It's just the Terry Rozier thing is just really funny. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. For me, the things I've been most disappointed with, there, there isn't like a huge thing. There isn't somebody who just like really hasn't met my expectations. But I obviously I, I have two teams here that I'm, I'm a little disappointed with. First, I, I of course, I have to mention the Knicks here. I didn't expect them to be good. OK, I did not expect them to be good. I did expect them to fight for 500. They're currently 11 games under. And, you know, hopefully for me as a Knicks fan, that's only trending downwards and they're going to start to tank and they're going to, I mean, I don't think they could sell any of the pieces they have on this team besides Carmelo and that obviously there's a million obstacles in the way of, but it's not like I can't see anybody, you know, dying to take on Derek Rose or wanting to take on Joe Kim Noah's contract. So I don't think a tank is as easy as kind of getting rid of the starters and letting young guys play. If anything, they might even be better letting the young guys play over, over you know, these veterans on the team. But I just I, I expected them to not be good. I didn't expect them to be this bad. The other team I wanted to bring up here is a team I, again, just didn't have expectations for. But seemingly everybody else or that follows the NBA did. And that's got to be the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are currently 22-35. and 35. They're 13th in the Western Conference and a bottom five team in the league this season. And I mean... There were people pegging this team as a 50-win team, which to me was just ridiculous. I love Tom Thibodeau. Obviously, you know, it's hard to not be impressed with Carl Anthony Towns and not feel like this could be the year that this team turns a corner. But again, I, I thought this team would probably struggle to make the playoffs, but be closer to 500. And they're showing no signs of being that kind of team this year. No, um, I wasn't one of those people that was on the Minnesota bandwagon. 
Um, it felt like very reactionary to just assuming the jump in certain players' uh, developments like Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. And then, like, as if Chris Dunn would walk in and immediately be a superstar or something. Um, the Knicks, for me, my expectations were very, very well. So they can't really be dis- disappointed to me because I wasn't Were they expected. this low, though, Joe? Were you expecting them to be a bottom, you know, five in the league? No, I wasn't expecting them to be that low. I believe when we talked about this before the season, I had them fighting for the eight seed. Right. So I obviously had some expectations for them, but I also did expect there to be dumpster fire moments. So, like, I'm not shocked or uh, I can't even be disappointed with them. That'd be like if you have a friend that's constantly showing up late to your parties you invite him to, you can't be disappointed at him for being late at a party. The Knicks are constantly bad, so you can't be I mean, disappointed when they're bad. you could still be disappointed, but you should at least your expectations should be, you know, real. Excuse me, your expectations should be realistic. Yeah, so shame on me for thinking they're going to be an eight seed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Basically. listen, there's still some time for them to turn around, but uh, I just don't see it happening for them. They run, run, run Baker sanity. Yeah, they're current. I mean, that's the crazy thing, though. They're still only four games out of the eight seed, and they're just the 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 bottom of the East, or not even the bottom, the middle of the East is just not very impressive. I'm not saying the Knicks can make a run. I just I don't believe that with any grain of me, but. I mean, four games is not a lot of No, games. if they could just be competent, you know what I mean? Like, they could sneak back into the eighth seed. They just got to be competent. The problem is they're just not that. They're yet. not. They are not competent. Certainly not. All right, Joe, let's let's wrap this segment up. What are you most looking forward to seeing over the rest of the season? Oh, man, I, when I, you sent me the rundown yesterday, last night, and I was looking at this, I wasn't really too sure how to answer this, but... It's probably going to just see, like, and it's not the rest of the season. It's like next week or two weeks or whatever. I want to see what the what the tra- what trades don't happen. We do this every year, right? Like where names get rumored, 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 and nobody moves. Um, the Okafor bit's been really funny this year, where Philadelphia basically sat him for what was it a week? Yeah, yeah, whole week. And uh, to make it seem like all these teams were interested, and only one actually was, uh, which was I guess the Pelicans. Um, and the Pelicans want them to eat like this giant salary, and the uh, Sixers won't do it. But uh, it gives me so much heartburn that Colangelo is going to get credit for turning this thing around with all the Hinky's pieces, and he's managing the team worse than Hinky did. He's doing a very poor job, yeah. Um, but I do want to see what. I don't think there's a major trade that happens that affects this season at all, um, because like I don't think like a Mello is going to move or anything like that. What about the Ibaka trade? Uh, he, listen, my, my first thoughts on the Abaka trade was, so when Abaka was at Oklahoma City, everybody thought he was great. Then he went to Orlando and everybody's like, oh, he's just taller Terrence Ross. And then he gets traded to Toronto. Now they have a big three. So, I mean, which one is it? Is he good or is he not? Right. Um, because he likes shooting line twos and he's, and I know he's a better, he's, he's a better player than Terrence Ross. Like he could do more. He could rebound. He could block shots, whatever. Um, I don't think it makes them so much measurably better that like our my initial projection of them being a two or three seed is now going to be like yep they're a one seed and they're going to win the NBA finals right like it makes them better yeah but I don't think it actually does anything like it, I don't think it makes them like it's a I don't want to say a marginal upgrade but it's not like this huge massive upgrade that's fair they they didn't get Paul Millsap you know they they didn't get Melo but in in Ibaka I mean he is a guy who's capable of scoring and. For a while, you know, this position's kind of been their missing piece. Like, you look at, like, a team like the Clippers, and it's you look at their starting five, and it's, damn, they could really use a better small forward. And I feel like that's been the Raptors in the power forward position for the last couple of years. So I think it was interesting seeing them make this move. And I do think Ibaka's a good fit because, you know, Jonas Valanciunas is a very good offensive center for them. Defensively, I don't want to say he's lost, but, you know, he, he's not the rim protector you, you need to be able to beat a LeBron team. And you get Ibaka, and now Ibaka and Valanciunas can kind of balance each other out a little bit. Ibaka, you know, can, can defend the rim, but also get out on the perimeter and, and kind of guard a LeBron on the dribble. I, I think it's a big help for them. I, I think All it's right, a big so help how much further them. are they going to go than you thought that, they were going to go? That, that's the valid point, though, Joe, is I don't know how much further it can take them, and I don't think it makes them better than Cleveland. I, I think it gives them more of a chance than not having him, though. No, but, no, I totally agree, and I hate to do the black and white. What are they actually going to do no, but go fair. further? It's just like... It's always and this is and it, it is what sucks about the NBA, right? So like, if you're a Toronto fan, you should be pumped. I'm not saying don't be pumped. It's just like Cleveland has such a good roster and so much better. And the J.R. Smith hasn't been healthy. 
they're only going to actually get better. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I'm not saying don't try. It's just I'm not. I can't get like people are getting unreasonably excited. Like they were calling this the new big three. Some people, and it's like no. Yeah, no, definitely not. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like. Listen, if I lived in Toronto, I'd probably be un- unreasonably excited. And maybe this is me being deta- deta- um, detached emotionally from all these things because I don't live in an NBA market. But hashtag no NBA market works better. <laughs> no, I, I think that's fair. And I kind of agree with that in terms of what you're looking forward to seeing. And with that being, you know, the trade deadline and seeing if any big pieces move. Because, you know, we're, we're talking about big teams that are really in the market for one of these guys. We're talking about whether it's the Clippers or whether it's the Celtics. Toronto went out and got their guy. You know, LeBron's been talking about needing more help. So I, I do think that this next week's kind of going to kind of give us more of a clear picture as to how the season's going to wind down. But if no trades happen, I mean, I just I don't see there being that much more movement. I do think, you know, the the two through five seeds in the East will be a little more flexible as far as the West goes. I mean, I, I think the only seed that's really up for contention at this point is, is the eighth spot in the playoffs. I mean, there, there's a seven-game gap or so between eight and seven. So I, I think your top seven teams in the West are pretty much nailed in, and it's just going to come down to, you know, okay. the Nuggets. Right, ex- essentially. The Nuggets, the Kings, the Blazers, and I guess the Pelicans. Sorry to not give the Mavericks a shot, but I just I don't see it for them. I mean, even the Pelicans. Could you, name, really could you name seven Dallas Mavericks? Yeah, I think so. I could probably name pretty close to the whole team. Go ahead. Go. I can't, go. I can't. I can name... All right, you go. Just go. I don't think I can name five. You got Bogut. You got Bogut. You got Dirk. You got Harrison Barnes. You got Wesley Matthews. You got Darren Williams. Off the bench, you got Seth Curry. You have J.J. Barea. That's seven. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is on this team. Is he? Uh, yep. Wow. Dwight Powell is on this team. That's nine. Uh, let's see. The point guards. There's more point guards. I think Devin Harris is on the team. Uh, Devin Harris is still in the league? I believe so. You, you look it up while I keep reeling these okay, guys. Okay, I'm going to. Oh, they, they signed Yogi Ferrell. We're up to oh, 11. yeah, that's right. I forgot about. So they have all the guards. Yeah, yeah, not not a great team. But I just named 11 of them. I, there's got to be more that I'm not. Oh, uh, Justin Anderson, 12. Oh, my God, uh, they, they really do have all the guards. Yeah, they do. You, you'll have to confirm that uh, Devin Harris for me. But I think uh, No, up. Devin Harris is apparently on the team. All right, there you go. Well, I just named 12 guys on that team. So, I, I mean, they, they, they're they not good. Just this spot can kind of go to anybody. Hopefully, it'll be the Nuggets, I guess. I mean, I would like to see Boogie. I think a couple of the guys you named aren't on the team, though. Like who? I forget. You said somebody's name, and I can't find them on the roster. I forget who, though. I think I got that one 100%. Right. Well, whatever. You named 45 guys, so you at least got nine of them. Thanks. I got 12. I got 12. Don't discount me. Um. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this next week. Also, I want to see if the Celtics finally make that trade, or you know, see if maybe the Raptors aren't done. See if Cleveland's going to make another splash. They just there's such little wiggle room for Cleveland. I wrote a column this week about how now is the perfect time for the Cavs to trade for Melo, and really, I, I wrote it more intending to write, you know, now is the time for Melo to waive the no trade clause. This is the best scenario for him if he's ever going to want to get traded. But really, when you look at it, I mean. Cleveland just has nothing to offer in a trade, especially not to the Knicks. The Knicks aren't going to take back Amon Shumpert, which they would need to do to make contracts work here. You know, I can't see them flipping Kevin Love for Carmelo Anthony because it's just not a great deal for Cleveland. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who who makes a move in these dates. But do, do you think we're going to see any big trades, though, over the next week? Um, Nothing that affects this season. Maybe something like an Okafor deal where it could affect uh, – one or two franchises in the future. Um, I don't think Boston does anything crazy. So, no, I don't see any any huge trades. And no big names are almost ever traded. So, right. Sad right, right, right. Yeah, sad face. All right, Joe, let's, let's move on. And before we wrap up the first half of the season, let's make some oh, – they're not predictions. They're actually – I don't even know what to call them. Midway of the season awards. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Let, let's give out some awards, Joe. Woo, everybody likes awards. Mid-season NBA awards. Relatively let's, speaking podcast. Let's start with the top, Joe. Who are you giving the MVP to through this point of the season? LeBron James. Right? Right? Ha- like I, I, don't, I don't know crazy. what to say. Otherwise, he plays like 500 minutes per game. and <laughs> yes. That's really good. 
he is really good. Like he's he's amongst the leaders in, in minutes played so far in the season. He's having, you know, the quietest 26, 9, and 8 season <laughs> we've seen. I mean, he's averaging the most assists of his career. His field goal percentage is the highest it's been, you know, since he's come to Cleveland. He's shooting 39% from three, which is the second best three-point shooting season of his career on higher volume this year. I mean, he's doing it all, and he's doing it for a team, you know, that that does have holes. And I know people don't like to hear that because they have such a high, you know, uh, salary cap. They, I mean, they're, they're spending a lot of money. He's just, he's killing it. I, I know, obviously, you know, it's hard to not pick Russell Westbrook here. How do you not pick a guy who's leading the league in scoring while averaging a triple-double? How do you not pick James Harden, whose numbers are very similar, and he's, you know, kind of resurrected that Houston team? But you just, you, you look at the Cavs, and you look at how successful they've been, and, you know, you take LeBron off this team, and they're probably not a top half of the East team. I mean, it, it's all him still. He's still he's still in his prime. He's still ridiculous. We were talking about him slowing down for the last couple seasons, but there's been no signs of that this year. No, and I think... And I'm not saying like like Russell Westbrook or Harden, whoever else, doesn't have an argument. Like they're like I, I feel like you could make arguments for them. I think what it is with LeBron is a lot of us have grown so accustomed to his greatness, we're taking it for granted. Do you know what I mean? So that's why we're like he's averaging a quiet, a quiet near triple double and putting up like career highs in certain areas. Um, because normally we'd be going bonkers over this stuff, like right. far and- more than we know we have been. Right, and he's not, you know, he's not early Miami LeBron anymore defensively, but he's still a lot better defensively than either Harden or Westbrook. You know, yeah, Westbrook is super overrated defensively. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he gets steals, but he he gambles a lot. And Harden, you know, I don't think Harden's as bad defensively as as people, you know, have kind of given him the label of being these last couple of years. But yeah, I, I I felt weird picking LeBron because I do feel like it's a two man race between Westbrook and Harden, but. I mean, I just think lately the things LeBron's been doing and doing it without Kevin Love and, you know, he's going to have to help carry this team again. Yeah, now without Kevin Love, he could kind of really insert himself into this. Like, and I know, like, whatever, his roster's still probably better than Oklahoma City's. And Oklahoma City's isn't as bad as people make it sound to be. So, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, hate, I hate that's the Westbrook thing. Like, like I think Westbrook is great, but they always be like, and he has nobody to play with. He has a really good front court, like... Really, really, like teams would kill for that front court. Yeah, I mean, and Victor Oladipo's not a bad player. There's not a lot of depth on that team, so I, I will say that much. But I, I agree with you with this Westbrook thing, and I don't mean to come across as a hater. And sometimes I kind of have to check myself when I'm talking about Westbrook because aesthetically, there are other players who I prefer to watch. I just, I think he's the type of player who we've seen this from him before, where he likes, you know, being a high volume guy, and he likes taking the brunt of the team and, and putting it all on his back, and he likes taking a bunch of shots, and, and I don't want to say stat padding, because stat padding makes it sound like he's not out there trying to win games. He's definitely out there trying to win games, and he's he's a great point guard. He's a great facilitator. He's got one of the highest assist rates in the league the last couple of years. He's not Rajon Rondo, who's pounding the ball for 20 seconds and then <laughs> trying to dish the ball off for an assist. I mean, he, he's a very good player. He's a legitimate MVP candidate. I just I don't know that we need to give him the MVP because of his you know triple double status or because he's leading the league in scoring. He's not doing it overly efficiently, and he's got a ton of turnovers. I mean Harden does too. Lebr- I mean LeBron, in all fairness, has over four turnovers a game too. I I just think you know looking at complete players and their impacts on their teams. To me, I kind of just have LeBron over those two guys. Yeah, me too. I'm glad you like you tried to. Because um, we're not trying to hate on Russ Westbrook, we're just saying like you know, and not even saying those numbers are hollow. It's just at all. Pe- they're not pe- hollow at all. They're pe- very meaningful. Yeah, people people are trying to make it sound like he is Allen Iverson on those Sixer teams where Theo Ratliff is like the second best player, and that's not the case. Right, 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 right. It, oh man, Iverson Westbrook comparison is one that I love that people absolutely hate because you know history hasn't done Allen Iverson well. I look forward to Russell Westbrook's career being over and that conversation taking place because I think it's a lot closer than people like to admit. I think the Iverson Isaiah Thomas comparison is pretty awesome, Joe. Yeah, that that too, that too for sure. I, I, uh, Iverson's best single season compared to Isaiah Thomas this season. Isaiah Thomas's numbers are better. Isaiah's efficiency has been incredible. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Sorry, I don't know how we got to. I apologize for the Allen Iverson part here. This is on me. All good. All right, let's let's move on, Joe. Coach of the year, who you got? Uh, Scott Brooks, I think. I'm not going to say he's a genius, right? I never really bashed him in Oklahoma City. Um, but, I mean, somebody has to get 
part of the credit for Washington's turnaround. And I'm going to continue to eat crow, so Scott Brooks. Sounds good. Yeah, we kind of went over that one before, and I kind of went over my pick before. I got D'Antoni. Again, you know, Houston's turnaround has been great. D'Antoni's resurgence has been great after the last few years. Haven't been overly kind to him. So, yeah, I, I think the things he's done in Houston have been more impressive than anything any co- other coach has done. I think Brad Obviously, Stevens could get uh, – oh, Brad Stevens, Eric Spolstra could both get looks here. But what Brad Stevens is doing, I think if this was a different coach, that team would probably be bad. Took the words out of my mouth with Stevens, and I think that that's absolutely a great call with Spolstra. Listen, Miami's still not a good team, but what they've been doing lately, and he just always seems to get the most out of guys. Obviously, when you have this conversation, I think Pop needs to be in there somewhere, too, because, again, the Spurs are quietly, you know, they're just deadly quiet assassins, and it's it's amazing to watch them. Year the coach of the year is weird because it's like really what it is is who's done – better than what we expected them to do, and that becomes our coach of the year. It's not really who's the best coach or who's done the best coaching job. It's like, how much did you surpass our expectations of your crappy team? Right, and that's you know that's what gets <laughs> Mike Woodenholz, our coach of the year, over Steve Kerr a couple of years ago. It's, yes. It's, yes. Absolutely. All right, Joe, who you got for rookie of the year? Oh, man, this one pains me. So just because he hasn't played – no, and no, he's not don't going do to it. play. I know. I'm not, don't do it to our guy. I know. I don't want to. But this other guy is my guy as well. Is Malcolm Brogdon? Um, who? What did I call him a couple weeks ago? College Brogdon. <laughs> he is. He was college Brogdon just last year. Um, yeah. When he was coming out of the draft, I was super high on him. So that makes me feel good to get one right for once. So uh, yeah, he does a lot of things really well. He's been a good part of the Bucks rotation, and um, his three point numbers aren't. People thought that was an anomaly in college because his stroke's kind of funny and it's not that quick. But, no, it's carried over. He's a solid defensive player. He's become a better playmaker. Um, he's a legit NBA player. Somebody did the Harrison Barnes comparison number-wise, and I'm like, get that out of here. Um, they're two different kinds of players anyway. But uh, I think he might also lead the team in uh, on-off. He's been one of their best players. Yeah, so I'm going to go with him. And uh, it's weird because this, I know, like, Embiid – and I love him. And Embiid, if healthy, he's the better player and everything like that. But um, I just don't know. He hasn't played a lot. And I don't know how much more he's going to play the rest of the Well, he's not. And uh, the rest of the rookie class has kind of been trash. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, and that's why I'm taking Embiid, man. I'm taking Embiid because, no, no offense to Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's having a really nice season. He's definitely surpassed expectations. And I think that's part of the reason why... You know, we consider him as highly as we do. And again, that, that's not to take away from what he's doing. He's having a nice season. But yeah, but it's not great. It's not like what, a number we would normally give to Rookie of the Year. I, I know that. To me, right. To me, I just I can't give Rookie of the Year to a guy who started 12 games and is averaging, you know, below 10 points when you have Joel Embiid, who, when he's healthy, is feasibly a top 20 player in the league. I mean, this guy's turning around a, a Sixers team that's still tanking when he's not playing. I mean, even when he is playing, they're trying to tank. And he's he's tank proof. He's incredible. I think that stretch we saw to him, you know, in January is the most exciting Philadelphia basketball we've seen in a really long time, and feasibly like the best rookie performance we've seen in a really long time. I don't care if he doesn't play. There isn't any other competition to him, and he's made his impact known when he does play. So I don't know. It might not be popular opinion to to do that and to discount how much time a guy's missed, but I just think when there's so little competition around him. It, it makes it easier for me to give this to Embiid. Yeah, I do think it's really a two-man race, and it comes down to how you feel about how much or little you think Embiid has played. Right, a hundred percent, one hundred percent. Your boy Dario is coming on strong too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no. Listen, like here's the issue for me, right? So, like, I live in the New York television market. So, for some reason, even though I live in Pennsylvania, but I'm closer to New York City than I am to Philly. But my TV package deal is weird, where I have Directv, so they black. I get M- MSG. But they black out all Sixers games on me because they don't have Comcast. So I have to um, stream it on the internet, if you know what I mean. And yeah. uh, so I, I do watch a lot of Sixers games, but not as much as I like. But I really like the like anybody that knows me or followed me the last two years knows I really like the way they were building their roster. And I'm a huge Dario fan. And I do think they have, provided they stay healthy, and God knows what's going on with this Ben Simmons deal now. Um, I do think they have like the core group of guys to be uh, a winning franchise moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. We'll see what they do. I hope I hope we get to see Ben Simmons hit the court this year. Uh, if we don't, I mean, they're going to have a really interesting situation next year with 
feasibly two top five picks to add. Oh, get, I, I want I want Lonzo Ball on that team so badly. The, you he, know the more. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to say, like, Lon- I, I think I made this point in the podcast before. Lonzo Ball is everything everybody wanted Michael Carter and Williams to be, but he's already that. He's already that. Yeah, he's very good. And um, I also like Malik Monk a lot as well. I think you could actually get both of those guys if you have two five, top five picks. And I know they're both point guards, but Monk could play off the ball. And he actually does better um, not creating his own shot. And uh, I know that doesn't sound great because then that makes you think he's a guy that can't score, but he could. He, he uh, reminds me a lot of like a uh, – never mind. I'm not going to do the comparison. But, do uh, it. No, do no, it. no, because it's stupid and lazy. But he's a very, 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 very good shooter. And he's one of those ones – I think most good shooters are. He's better when a guy's on his face than he is wide open. And he's better coming off like his left-handed dribble, one pump, one, one dribble, and then going up with his right hand. But um, – I really think the Sixers should get you gotta unload Okafor or whoever or Noel, one probably Okafor, and get something back. But I think they they're in a really just a great spot. I'm sorry, what was your point about Lonzo Ball? Uh no, I was gonna say I've actually been leaning towards wanting them to get Dennis Smith on that team. I think with having Ben Simmons, you know, maybe you just you don't need another point guard whose strength is facilitating for others. And I think I think Lonzo will be able to score at the next level. I'm I'm pretty confident in him as a prospect all around. But if they like miss out on those first couple picks and they could land Dennis Smith, that's just going to be insane. There's no this point guard class is loaded. Like there's no really no like if you don't get faults and you have to settle for Ball or if you have to settle for Smith, like you're not really settling. Do you know what I mean? Like you're just like you're just getting because those guys I think. And then you have Laurie Malkin from Arizona State. I know he's not a point guard. He's a center power forward. Whatever. Like, the first five picks in the draft, these are all guys that could be potentially one number one picks in any other draft. So, like, there's really no, like, settling. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely agree. I mean, even a little further down the road, you got guys like, I'm going to butcher his name, but Frank uh, Nikitalina, who <laughs> I am just becoming obsessed with, and Prey winds up landing to the Knicks if the Knicks don't move up a ton. I mean, Malik Monk, I don't know how high he's going to go, but I see his draft stock rising. Jonathan Isaacs, just a lot of really good Yeah, Jonathan Isaacs, an amazing. He's going to be a work in project. uh, Progress. Progress. But he's an intriguing project. You're going to get, like, TJ Leaf at the back end of the lottery or late first round, depending on what happens with his stock to rest away. And TJ Leaf's a super productive freshman, and it's not just because Lonzo Ball's great. He's just, like, legit, and he's going to get all the Kevin Ball comparisons, but it's white. All of them. All of them. But, all right, uh, Joe, sorry, I, we're going we're, we're going to Joe Nardone's college hot corner minute again. I apologize. It's all good, man. We'll get there soon, Joe, I promise. Soon, I soon that, soon as soon you go on vacation come. and I have guest hosts on. It's only, only three more episodes, Joe. All right, let, let's finish this up. Most improved player of the year, Joe. Let, let's be quick with these last two. Okay, so the most improved player of the year is... Sounds like you don't have one, so I'm going to go Otto Porter. Oh, yeah, that's who I want to go. Yeah, Otto Porter Jr. I keep Good uh, stuff. Yeah, Otto Porter Jr. is just shooting lights out. He's been He's great. not bad anymore, guys. He's definitely not bad. It took him a couple years, but here he is, looking like looking like good value for that three pick. All right, Joe, let, let's wrap up. Six, I mean, before we wrap that up, I understand some people wanting to put guys like Isaiah Thomas and Giannis Antetokounmpo in here for most improved. I think Otto Porter deserves it over him. Yeah, he went from, like, scrub to, like, Really, really, really good player. For sure. He he started doing it a little bit last year, but this year he's just taken on another level, and he's like he's really bounced that team out well. They have a very good starting five. Mm-hmm. Sixth man of the year, Joe, who you got? Uh, James Johnson. I like it, man. I like it a lot. He's given that team a spark. He's been a big reason. I mean, he's no Deion Waiters. Nobody is, but he's a big no, reason. No, but I mean, who? that's a good point. Who is Deion right. Waiters? Who is? Who is your right. sixth man? Greg Monroe, which is feels weird to me. I, I really thought he was a terrible pickup from Milwaukee, but he's proving his value a lot this year. Defensively, he's been pretty good. He sacrificed his role for this team, and he's fitting in really well. He's got the third best on-off on the team, putting up really good numbers. Uh, all right, Joe, let's let's pivot. Pivot. I haven't said that, haven't said that in a really long time. No, I haven't. I won't, bu- I, won't make, I won't bust you for it. Thanks. Don't bust me. All right, Joe, All-Star Weekend starts tonight. Yeah. I, Left the Celebrity Game and the Rising Stars Challenge off the rundown because don't really care all that much about that stuff. I mean, maybe I'll peek in, but yada, yada, yada. What are you really, <laughs> what are you really looking forward to this weekend, Joe? Uh, I like the dunk. I, I know people still trash dunk contests, and they're like, no, stars. Whatever, man. I don't watch the dunk contest for stars. I watch it for fun dunks, so still the dunk contest. The game itself, I don't care for. 
Yeah, I mean, you know what? I do think it's interesting this year with the the Durant Westbrook stuff that you know I I don't. Do you know who's coaching for the West this year? It's Kerr. Is it Kerr again? Uh, oh, he's. I'm, I'm almost positive. Yeah, I, I think it probably is too. It, it's going to be interesting. I mean, he might do it to see if Kerr puts the four Warriors and Westbrook on the court oh, together. Kerr is so smart and such a. He's he'll definitely do it just for us. I, you know, I just, I don't know how Russ is going to react. It, it's really funny. I mean, these Russ and Durant are going to spend the whole weekend together. They're on the same team. They're obviously going to be on the court together at some point. Like, obviously, things were not left off well with them less than a week ago. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, tension just in how it's covered. I wouldn't be shocked if these guys, you know, have a good time or whatever together. But, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see that dynamic. That That's, I hate to say that that's what I'm looking forward to just because that's kind of been you know, a dominant storyline on the season. But I care more about that than like any of this other stuff. I, I do think it's interesting that Carmelo Anthony got in on that last season conference spot. And it'll be fun to see, you know, if if guys are kind of giving them special treatment to try and persuade him to, to waive his no trade clause. To Ooh, go to their I team. like that theory. I like, like it. It'll, like, be fun to, it'll be fun to see him play with Isaiah. It'll be fun to see him playing with LeBron, obviously. Um, I think Melo's a dark horse MVP for this game just because, you know, it's, 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 is Melo going to get traded? Is Melo going to waive his trade clause? He still fancies himself as one of the most important players in the league. I don't know that he is at this stage, but I think he might get the treatment like he is this weekend. That's, I like that theory a ton, actually. I think Westbrook wins the MVP because he takes this game very seriously. Doesn't he already have two of these? Uh, he might. We're, we're going to do our MVP predictions shortly, but let, let's do the other contest first. Sure. Joe. Three-point contest. Do you need me to read the contestants? No, I should got them. Should I read the contestants? I'm going to read the contestants. Okay, first. read the contestants. <laughs> this year in the JBL... This sounds like you had prep work done, and you were going to shoehorn everybody's name in regardless. I wasn't going to, but I just thought it might be the best thing to do. JBL three-point contest this year, hosted by Justin Bradshaw. Yeah, that's uh, what I thought. I was like, what? I don't even know what that means. All right, so our participants this year, we got Eric Gordon, Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry, Wes Matthews, C.J. McCollum, defending champion Clay Thompson, Kemba Walker, and Swagless P. Nicholas Young. <laughs> Joe, who do you like in this one? Okay, my dark horse is Eric Gordon um, because I love Eric Gordon, but it's Clay. Uh, but it's Clay. It's Clay Thompson. I got Clay winning this one as well. I mean, it, it's an interesting contest. It'd be awesome if Swaggy wins. I can't see that happening. He uh, could also I, go. He could also end up making only like three shots. Right. My, my dark horse is C.J. McCollum. I was tempted to pick him. I'm not going to hedge on everybody here, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if Kyrie Irving winds up winning it because he's just a freak. Yeah. Um, up next, we're going to do the – are we going to do this? Let me make sure I'm right in order. The Taco Bells skill challenge. <laughs> Taco Bells. There's the more. SM. Yeah. There's, right. there's the Taco Bells. It's in, they're a band, actually. Your participants <laughs> this year are Devin Booker, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis – Nikola Jokic, who will be the replacement for Joel Embiid, Gordon Hayward, Kristaps Porzingis, Isaiah Thomas, and John Wall. Joe, I love how this is big man heavy. Um, well, they they bounced it. They've done four bigs and four point guards now. Jokic is going to do everything perfectly, but it's going to be the slowest time ever. Um, so I'm I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas. That's a really good point for me. I, I picked Jokic first. But then I realized that speed thing is probably going to hold him back. Like he he won't <clears throat> he won't miss any of the passes. He'll be on point for everything. Uh, so with speed in in mind, I went with John Wall to win this. So I think it'll either be Jokic or John Wall. Yeah, I think that's good. That's that's solid picks. All right, I don't know who's sponsoring it, so give me a second to probably find Sprite. out. Probably Sprite. It usually is Sprite. It's not the Verizon Slam Dunk Contest. Sorry, I think I think Sprite usually does the three point contest, and Kia has been doing the dunk contest. Anyway, this year it's Verizon. For the main event of the evening, which is the dunk contest, your participants this year, Aaron Gordon, who was robbed last year, DeAndre Jordan, who participated a few years ago and did not have a great showing, Glenn Robinson III, son of Big Dog, I suppose his nickname should be Little Dog, and Derek Jones Jr., who no one has ever heard of before, but is the real deal of a dunker. Joe, who you got? It's Derek Jones. I've heard of him. UNLV basketball player. The dude... The dude could jump, dunk, jump out of a gym. Like seriously, um, just YouTube him. Seriously, just Derek Jones, best dunker in the nation. Um, you will very literally see multiple videos with his chin above the rim. Um, he's also shown. I don't know if anybody else has seen it. Pretty recently in like non-games, because he isn't. It's not exactly like a world beater of a player. Um, he's a very good non-game dunker. 
Yeah. But yeah. he's a good game dunker as well. That's why I know who he is from his time at UNLV. Like, I never was like, Derek Jones would be a great NBA player, but I was always like, Derek Jones could jump out of a building. For sure. Yeah, I, I'm just hoping he doesn't lay an egg here. Like, James White was in the dunk contest a few years ago, and obviously he was, you know, the most well-known dunker. He was he was compared to Vince Carter when he was a college player because of how well he could dunk. I think it was that, and I, I don't know what else you possibly could have drawn that comparison from, but I just... I'm going with Aaron Gordon here, again, because I think he was robbed last year. He's a freak, and he's really creative. Um, I'm just really hoping for for a fun contest. I'm really hoping that that Derek Jones and Glenn Robinson kind of have good contests, so it's not like, who are these guys and why are they so terrible? Derek Jones has a really good personality as well, which should help with the showmanship bit. Because I know, like, the the guys that aren't known, they need to really make up with it, with uh, personality. So I I do think he's... Listen, he's not going to be a good basketball, like a great NBA player. But I think, like after tonight, people are going to be, or not tonight, after the dunk contest, people will be really excited about him. I hope so, Joe. I hope so. All right, man. This is the big one. <laughs> you already gave your answer. Yes. All star MVP. Who you got? Westbrook. He takes the game very seriously. I can see a situation where it occurs like I'm going to run Russell Westbrook to the ground because he's not my guy, and uh, I can see like all the Golden State Warriors just be like, "Yeah, Russ, go at it." So right, right, yeah, I think Westbrook's in a really good position. He's going to be coming off the bench. I feel like a lot of the times it's a bench player that wins this. With Kerr coaching, I mean, he's probably not going to want to play his guys huge minutes. Wouldn't wouldn't be shocked if he relies a little bit on on your boy Westbrook here. I'm going to hedge my bet though for the Western Conference. If it's if it's not him, I really wouldn't be surprised if it's Anthony Davis, hometown guy. You know, he's he's a very good player. All star game kind of works out well for him. Wouldn't be shocked if he puts up you know like a 25 and 15 game or so i'm going to double hedge as well whoa i'm gonna double hedge. Such a cheater so, yep big time so that's for the west if the east wins i'm gonna say it's gonna be one of lebron or mellow you know i gave my mellow theory before i i do think though you know with lebron i think he knows that you know his clock's ticking a little bit and his I think biological he's really clock <laughs> he's got to pop out these babies uh i think this is going to be one of the last chances for him to to win an all-star MVP. So I wouldn't be surprised to see LeBron kind of go hard and take it. Can I, can I hedge my bet now that you made 9,000 picks? You can have I pick to. Somebody, I, can I pick somebody from the East? Yeah, do it. Isaiah. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Isaiah takes 30 shots in this game. Oh, yeah. Like, this is this is designed for a guard to go high volume. And he's already a high yeah. volume dude, so. Yep, for sure, for sure, for sure. All right, Joe, we're going to do some AMAs. Get Seal. Hit the music. Seal. Make some money. If you could play one-on-one with any NBA player, who would it be? Well, this eliminates every big man in the league because I'm only six feet tall. Then I don't want somebody too athletic like a Russell Westbrook running me over. So I was like, well, who's kind of broken down? Now, I know he's played well, like the last ten games or whatever, um, but it'd probably be like Jameer Nelson. Oh, man, Jameer's a tough one. I don't know if I'd want to But he's strong, but he's older, so like maybe he's not as quick. I just don't want to get like crossed up and fall over. That, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, uh, I I feel like Jameer might be tough for that, though. So for me, I, I considered the same things as you. And really, the, the main point for me was, who is not a good defensive player? And granted, any NBA player is going to be able to stick me and probably block any shot I put up. So no matter what, I'm not going to have any luck. But I took Brandon Jennings in this. He's not a good shooter at all. I mean, he'll blow by me, but I'll have to sag off and let him shoot. Obviously, he, he depends on his left hand, so I just can't let him go left. Got to force him right. And maybe I'd be able to get a bucket on him because, again, he is not good on defense. All right, that's, I think that's fair. I only picked Jameer because I like, and he's been really good lately, actually. But uh, yes. I was just, I just was hoping, you know, he was just too old to like just blow by me. Um, I'll read the next one at Ryan Underskin punts a lot. That's not how it's spelled, but whatever. Outside of LeBron, which athlete currently has the best chance to have success in multiple leagues? So th- this is a tough one, and I think. He's kind of old, so I feel weird picking him, but I know Tony Romo is just like a world-class athlete and everything. Um, I don't know if golf counts as a league, but I think he could probably be a professional golfer from everything I've seen and heard. 
that's I know that's not the fun answer, but that that's what I'm going with. No, I think that's uh, that's perfectly fine. Um, I'm going to go Rico Gathers. He's a tight end for right. the Cowboys. He played college basketball for Baylor. He did play for Baylor. He did. He did. So, I did not know he was an NFL player. Yeah, I think I think he ended up only on their practice squad, but I know he was on the Cowboys this year. Yeah. Wow. Uh, who, is there anyone else you could think of? Um, like freak athletes. Like I'm sure. Like if given time, like if they're like, just use Russell Westbrook as the example because he has that quick twitch muscle muscle fiber. It's like we'll give you a year to become like our fifth cornerback. He could figure it out. Yeah, he probably could. If Nate Robinson was still in the NBA, he'd be. He's, in, he's in the D League right now. Yeah, he, the G League. So I G League. I'm sorry, Chris Reichert. God bless you. You're now a G League expert. There he is. He's expert on the G League. Um, yeah, that, that's a good one, Nate. Uh, Kevin Durant. I just saw this video for the first time the other night. The football NBA, one. Yeah, when the NBA had its lockout. I mean, I saw Durant like go back to Texas and play, but I didn't know that him and LeBron played like against each other. That was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, LeBron was like torching it, and I, I wouldn't want—I would not want to see Kevin Durant play football. And I, I'm sure we're blanking on guys like football players that are quarterbacks that were pitchers that could have played baseball as well. Yeah, like Greg pa- Greg Paulus. Get Greg Paulus up there. No, uh, I mean like good ones. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, like I'm sure there's like Jeff Smajarja. I know he's Smoges, a little, a yeah, little he's older a really now, too. but he was a, good, a really he was a really good receiver in college. Um, like there's a ton of those kind of guys, but I was trying to think of like really good athletes that would be fun to watch transfer over. Right, right, right. Which Majarja was, but he's just older now, so. Yeah, he is. I don't know that he's still, you know, a burner as a receiver the way he was before. That that Notre Dame receiving crew, him and Stovall, they were like the tallest receivers ever. They were. Bless Brady Quinn. Bless him, bless him. All right, let's move on, Joe. This is a funny question from at CavsMax13. What's the single most important thing the Falcons have to do to beat the Patriots? I get this, by the way. Do you get it? Uh, I don't. Okay. Um, are you okay? Yes. Okay. I know what this. I know what this question is from. Casmax thirteen. I get you, and I get the show. Is I? Can you explain it? Um, I wish I could ask him in real time. If I'm allowed to explain, it. I'll explain it. Um, on the Dan Lebertard show. Yeah. Um, Super Bowl week. Uh, Stugatz asked this question and he coughed in the middle of it or was like running out of breath and nobody stopped him and then Levitard said let's just replay this question over and over to every guest we have and see if anybody asks him if he's okay and nobody ever asked him if he was okay <laughs> he asked Kenny G this question every Kenny G was on the show every day and he was right. tremendous uh, yeah. he asked Kenny G this question every day and every day Kenny G would be like why do you keep asking me this question <laughs> so <laughs> I, yeah I caught one of the Kenny G interviews I didn't ca- I didn't catch oh that. it was tremendous Kenny G was legit funny they had by Friday they're like Kenny G get Richard Marks and they got Richard Marks and he's like could you get Michael Bolt and they got Michael Bolt like I live on TV it was really oh good stuff but yeah I, 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 I I'm this is from the Levitard I don't know who Kazmax 13 is but uh, he apparently gets at least me and the Levitard show and you we talk about the show all the time so I'm kind of disappointed you didn't know the joke here you get the show. No, I just I, I didn't see much that week, and I, I honestly I, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago on on our on our podcast. ESPN New York brought Stephen A. Smith back, and in doing that, they put him in the one to three slot, where which was formerly formerly occupied by uh, Alan Hahn and Rick DiPietro, and they got moved down to the ten o'clock slot. Which means Levitard got bumped off of ESPN local radio. Did so, you hear about the reports that Pablo? Uh, Torres and Bomani Jones are going to get their own show together. A radio show? No, show show. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I did. I knew, I mean, when, when Bomani's new deal was reported, they, they said that he was going to get a TV show. And I did hear Pablo Torre rumored to, to be a part of that with him. Do you think that'll be too, do you think that'll be too smart for people? It might. I mean, obviously we know people don't like their sports smart. Um, that's why I, like really like- I like both guys. I like the dynamics when they're with both guys are on the radio with Dan or whatever. But like what Dan does a great job of being able to play roles depending who he's with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so, but when you just Bomani and just Pablo, who I both really really like, I just feel like they're gonna just. I think I'll like it. And I think you'll like it. And I think a lot of people like it. I think a lot of people will feel like they're t- getting talked down to. They might. They they might. And I know that that's the thing that a lot of people don't like about Bomani is they feel that he's constantly talking down to them and. You know, they wonder why he brings up controversial topics, which, you know, shouldn't be controversial. The message is, is in how it's received, and a lot of people get offended by, you know, him bringing up real issues in our country. But um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. That's what I like about Levitar, though, is that, you know, he kind of doesn't want to talk sports. He wants to talk about, you know, the topic surrounding sports. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, that's what I right, love about I think that. you're getting that from Bomani and Paolo Torre as well. And, I mean, you, you get it from, from everybody. It's just kind of the way they present it to you and who you are and how you feel about it. Uh, I, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm absolutely here yeah, for I'm it. Yeah, I'm excited to see what it looks like and how it's presented. And I just hope it doesn't affect Highly Questionable, which I really like. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, All right, John. I'm going to ask the last question because it's not one meant for me to answer. It's All more right. um, in my wheelhouse. This question's from at a rod. Alex Rodriguez is a fan. Big fan at a rod zero zero three four. Who will fight Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania? I'm going to hang up and listen. All right. So um, Bray Wyatt won the WWE Championship at Elimination Chamber. Stablemate, part of the Wyatt family. Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble. Which means he gets the he's the number one contender, and they're supposed to face each other at WrestleMania. Randy Orton says he refuses to fight his buddy. Now there's still like five weeks, six weeks to go until WrestleMania hits, so Randy Orton could still turn on Bray Wyatt to make it Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. But on SmackDown after SmackDown, talking Smack, Daniel Bryan decided I gotta have a number one contender if my number one contender refuses to face Bray Wyatt. This Tuesday on SmackDown, they're going to have a battle royal to determine the number one, number one contender. Probably going to be Luke Harper. He was a member of the Wyatt family. Now he's not. He hates Bray Wyatt. I do imagine when WrestleMania hits, it's going to be Bray Wyatt as a bad guy versus Randy Orton, a good guy, versus Luke Harper as a good guy, versus John Cena as a good guy. Totes, man. Absolutely. So, yeah, Fatal 4-Way. Because I, don't, I love Bray Wyatt, but I don't think they trust him enough to be the main event like headline by himself in the draw. So I expect it to be like a triple threat or a fatal four-way. Yeah, man. That that sounds about right. Do you know who Bray Wyatt is? Uh, I know the name. Is he? No, I was just He's a get... son of IRS. Is he really? Yeah. He's very, very good, though. Like, he is... Is, is very... Bray Wyatt the yes guy, or is that Daniel Bryan? Daniel Bryan is the yes guy. Bray Wyatt is the cult leader. Interesting. There's a cult leader in wrestling? Yeah, he's actually very good. Like, if you're... Oh, man. I'm going to sound like such a nerd. But, like, as far as, like... um abstract promos are concerned he's he's probably been the best in like the last 25 years wow high praise yeah he's he's not like a, a like a catchphrase promo he's not like the rock or stone cold he's not going to get you like all jacked up and whatever but like as far as like really interesting artsy promos it's like him and raven do you mm. remember raven yeah of course i remember raven. yeah so it's like him and raven but his is a little more um consumable consumable than ravens were ravens were very grungy and artistic like soup like you'd have to you'd have to like listen to every one of his promos to get what he's talking about i lost, I lost everybody here yeah well no not really that's cool i mean you didn't lose uh a rod who cares about that yeah a rod zero zero three four thank you for the question last two questions i felt were for me calves max 13 and a rod zero zero three four it seemed that way. Not to not give an answer, but maybe this is how we work Pete Rose back into WrestleMania. Maybe he fights Bray Wyatt. I, I don't well, know. Well, listen, he was tombstone by Kane, and if The Undertaker weasels his way into the storyline, Pete Rose still has to come back for vengeance. So you're absolutely right. Fair enough. To end to end on another wrestling topic, it appears that George the Animal Steel is past. No, the come on. R.I.P. to George the Animal Steel. He was Steel. one of the first wrestling dolls I ever got. A not, man who makes my. A man who makes my back hair look minor. So, uh, all right. <laughs> good, good stuff. All right. Not to end the show on a somber note there, but we'd like to thank you guys for listening. Thanks for your great questions and, uh, welcome all you new listeners. We hope again that you enjoyed our new intro music. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope everybody has a great weekend. You can follow me on Twitter at J hoops and catch my basketball writing at fanragsports.com. Joe, tell the good people where they can find you. Also writing at fanragsports.com because me and Jared are employed by the same place. And on Twitter, at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. There he is. Woo-woo. skiddle doop 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 All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out hotcakes. Bright and early for the daily link. Dumps. No one's clicking, no one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers, not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. 
No tomorrow, no tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The internet, in which I'm worthless, is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world.